when I take kids' church or talk through a Bible story with them, I like for them to be really involved in the story. You know, sometimes we might, like, all close our eyes and listen to parts at a time and try and imagine ourselves in there. You know, what are we hearing? What are we seeing? What's going on around us? Or other times we pause through the story and I'm like, hands up, guys. You know, what are we, what's going on right now? Sometimes we might ask a couple of questions at each point through the story to try and figure out what's going on. And recently we looked at uh, Hannah in the book of First Samuel, and we asked a couple of questions at different parts through the story, and we're going to do that with you today. And we asked two questions. We asked how or what is she feeling right now, and we also asked how full of faith is she feeling. We actually plotted it on a graph. For those who know me, and I'm, I'm, I quite love maths, I'm an accountant, and so I had a graph, and on one side we had, you know, her feelings, how she's feeling, and on the other one, how full of faith is she, is she at this point? And I think we learned a lot during this, and we talked through feelings because feelings are a big deal, and we have a lot of feelings, and even, you know, this week there's been a lot in the news about people who've had massive feelings and have done some dangerous things, you know, in their family, in their community, and um, mental health is also massive. So feelings are important, and I think feelings can cause us to feel uncertain about where we are right now and also our future. Um, and that's even, you know, that's with the, what's happening in the world around us, but it's also what's happening in our personal circumstances. So... I want to take a look at Hannah because she's someone who was really impacted by what was going on around her in the world, but also what was happening for her personally. She made some great choices. So we are going to read through the story together and stop at points and then learn some lessons at the end. So a bit of backstory for you. The book of Samuel comes in the Bible just after the book of Judges. And this was a time in the Old Testament where the, Israel, book, the Israelite people, so they had... Um, they were in the promised land of Israel, but they had no king. So they were a little directionless. They had God. God was their king, but they felt like that wasn't enough. And they went through cycles of doing wrong things, having no leader, getting into battles with other nations, and then someone rising up as a leader and winning the battle and then something happening and doing something wrong again. And it was the cycle that kind of kept on going. And so that's where we join our story today. And so you can... We're talking today as Faith Not Feelings is the message name. So if you jump onto the next slide, guys, and we're just going to walk through the story. I'm going to read it to you. So there was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zaphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanai, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. So, hands up. Just worth a mention here that in these times, having children was a big deal. It meant to own your purpose, a legacy, an heir for your family. And Hannah, who had no children, so that was the opposite. So it was social kind of stigma and a lot of shame with this one because it was as if you weren't blessed by God. So, on to verse 3. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanai to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave double, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Alkali, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Aren't I worth more to you than ten sons? 
hands up. So we stopped at this point and you thought, how's she feeling? You know, how's her faith at this point? And so she's, she's pretty low. She's downhearted. She's feeling like, you know, this is not good for her. She has no children. And she's being provoked every time she's going up to the house of the Lord by her rival, which was her husband's other wife. And she would weep and she could not eat. So that's pretty low. And, and faith, it's hard to know what her faith was like at this point. But, you know, probably feeling quite low too, the kids decided when we were reading it. So on to verse 9. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give him a son, then I will give him to the Lord for his for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Hands up. Thoughts right now, I think, for, you know, she's in deep anguish. She's still, she's angry. She's crying so, weeping so much when she's, cry, when she's praying. So her feelings are still quite low right now, but she is crying out to God in prayer. She's full of faith enough to make a bargain with God. You know, when we're, end at the, when the, we're at the end of our ability, or it's end, when we feel cornered, this is exactly the right place for God to be at work to bring his power from heaven. He intervenes in our apparent hopelessness. And God waits until this moment. And when we plead on his mercy, he never lets us down. He always hears us. For me, I feel like too, she's trusting in God's goodness to the extent that if he grants this request, she will give her son to him for the rest of his life. Which, you know, I don't think many people would want to give their son to a God who they don't believe is good. So on to verse 12, and it says, As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. <laughs> How's she feeling now? You know, if she was me, she was probably a bit angry, a bit offended. You know, here she is praying, and he just thinks she's drunk, and maybe... <laughs> Maybe maybe that was her, but she chose to defend herself to the priest and let him know she was only crying out to the Lord. In verse 15, it goes on and she says, Not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered her and he said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have requested. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and she ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Where are we right now? You know, she's in response to Eli, you know, she could have been offended. She could have called him out on all his faults because he had many and sprang to his, you know, attack on his character. But she could have remained silent and just walked away. She could have walked out of there right then, but she chose to speak. She chose to express her heart to him and tell him what she was, what she was saying, what she was crying out to God, and she didn't hold back her anguish. How important is this for her? For in her anguish and her coming to God through tears, she received a promise that the God of Israel would grant her what she's requested. So <laughs> she's no longer downcast. She's feeling great. She's feeling positive. She's eaten now. She's been given a promise through God, through, from God through Eli the priest, and she's full of faith. Have her physical circumstances even changed? 
No, not at all. They haven't changed one bit. But she's received a promise from God and she believes that he will answer. We move on to verse 19. And early in the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and went back to their house. Elkanai made love to his wife, Hannah, and, she, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. How's she feeling now? She's really great, right? She's seen this answer to prayer. She's seen her son be born. She, her faith is high. She cried out to God. He gave her a promise, and he answered, and she has a son. A commentary on these verses reads, This newness out of barrenness and out of despair violates reason and reasonableness. At one point, Hannah would have no child, and Elkanah would have no heir. Israel would have no future. The storyline, however, is now shattered and defeated. Those overly fixed in their defeat, in their despair, now have their life made over by the power of Yahweh. And this is the gospel at its heart. This is the good news. New life is made over. When out of our despair, we cry out to the God. By the power of God, through the resurrection of Jesus, death and resurrection on the cross, we are born again. New life comes from God where there was once hopelessness. So we can jump to verse 24. And after the baby was weaned, so no longer having milk from his mum, she took the boy with her, young as he was. They brought the boy to Eli and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. The Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. So she left her son with the priest. So how is she feeling? How is her faith right now? I think um, if this was me, I would be sad. You know, like there's the son and she prayed for him so much and then, you know, God answered her prayer, but she'd made a promise. And so she gave her son to, to be a helper at the, at the temple there. And I think as much as this is part of God's promise and it's this miraculous answer, she's still a mum and her young son wouldn't be living with her anymore. Yes, the story confirms she goes on to have other children. She has a big family, but at this point she's saying goodbye to her long prayed for son. She may have been feeling sad, but at the same time, she was full of faith and hope in a God who truly answered her prayers. She prays this most beautiful prayer of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. And then we go on to chapter 2, verse 18 to 21, and it says, But Samuel was ministering before the Lord. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it up to him when she went with her husband. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Then in verse 26, it says, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. This is cool because this is a line used about Jesus in Luke's gospel. Through Hannah's prayer and her faith, a prophet is born for Israel in the likeness of the one true Messiah who would one day redeem not just Israel, but all of the world. So we learned some pretty cool lessons from Hannah. So this is her story, and we're just going to take a look at four lessons this morning. The first one of these is never, ever forget God's goodness and his miracles. Hannah grew up in this time of the Judges which came after the exodus to the promised land. So the Israelites had been in 
captivity in Egypt and God delivered them out of there with all these incredible miracles and then eventually the parting of the Red Sea as they came into Israel. She would have heard these stories about God's covenant with her people, about how much he loved them and all those miracles. So she knew, she knew what God had done. We too must know our God. We must know who he is and what he's done. If we don't know the stories and trust in his goodness, we won't go to him when we're feeling awful. If Hannah didn't believe, she would never have continued to go to the house of God. She wouldn't have kept praying and she wouldn't have seen that answer. So parents, I encourage you, teach your kids. You know, Deuteronomy 4 verse 9, it's up there. It says, only be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. We need to ensure we're telling our kids what God has done in history, but also what he's doing in our lives personally. Promises he's given to us. You know, in our family, sometimes that's as simple as just sharing with the kids a small answer to prayer, no matter how small it is, something that we've prayed for and God has answered, and we share it with them and make sure they know that that is God, that he's with us and he's listening. Um, lesson number two, so the first one, don't never forget God's goodness and his miracles. Second one, don't let your feelings dictate your actions. When we let our feelings dictate our actions, life is a roller coaster. And I'm sure you've been there, I've been there, we've all been there before. Um, we know people who are there right now. And my feelings, my feelings can change based on the weather, they can change based on the traffic, maybe an unkind person at work. Like, feelings change on many reasons. <laughs> just wake up that way. But, you know, and these are just the minor issues. <laughs> we all know there's big issues in life too. And King David from the drama earlier, he's an example of this, a great example of this, someone who didn't let his feelings dictate his actions. Um, for those who don't know, so baby, so this baby of Hannah's is Samuel, and this Samuel becomes the prophet who then anointed David as king. So this, this prophet Samuel had a massive impact in the, the times of, of the Israelites then. David had some very, very tough moments in his life, but there's a um, book in the Bible called The Psalms, and there's so many Psalms where David talks about all the hard things he's going through, and the Psalm ends with him rejoicing and praising God and crying out to him for help. Sorry. Instead of letting our feelings dictate our actions, we recognize our feelings and we look to God, who's the only one who can help us, um, who can save us and help us through them. There's a um, C.S. Lewis, some of you might have heard of him. He said, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. So two lessons just in this area is the first one is keep going to the house of the Lord, whether that's church or a prayer, place of prayer for you. Um, like Hannah, don't give up when things are tough. Make a commitment that for you and your family, you will regularly keep going to God's house. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of an introvert. So if I'm feeling a bit stressed or run down or tired or grumpy, I want to stay home. <laughs> you know, my natural response is to hide away. And I know that's not the answer. You know, deep down I do know that when I'm in these moments, the best place for me is to be surrounded by other people and being in a place with other believers who will encourage me and pray for me and just remind me that, you know, life is moving forward and praising the name of Jesus and... Also having an opportunity to encourage others. I couldn't count on the number of, on one hand, two hands, I, the amount of times I've come to church feeling low and left feeling so encouraged and encouraging others. So 
We can all do that. Second step, like Hannah, is to pray, pray, and keep praying. Like Hannah, when you're in your deepest misery, don't despair on your own. You know, don't just pour out another glass of wine. I did notice, though, that Hannah changed her eating habits when she was miserable. You know, she, for so many times it commented on her eating, which I find fascinating because that's just so often the way for some of us. Unfortunately for me, I don't stop eating when I'm miserable. I tend to eat more, but especially chocolate. But, you know, that's okay. It's not great when we're impacted by our feelings with this. But I think the key thing for Hannah is that she may have stopped eating, but she kept praying. She kept pouring out her soul to the Lord. Um, like we've been speaking about in, a bit in church lately, we can pray big prayers. We can pray audacious prayers to God, and he hears them. And like Hannah, he answers. He may not always answer exactly as we expect, but he will answer. So the next lesson, the third lesson is that a little faith is all you need. When we did through the story, we realized that it wasn't a matter of how much faith she had. It was a matter of that she, it was just that she had faith. We, we did our little graph and we got to the end and the kids were like, what's this graph even showing us? You know, like, we're, is it actually, no, she, she kept praying and, and it was evident by her actions that she kept having faith because she kept talking to God. So she had faith. It may have, she might've been at the height of where she was, you know, happy and she still had great faith. Low still had great faith. So a little faith is all you need. You know, remember in Matthew 17, it talks about the tiniest of seeds in the world, which is a mustard seed. And that is enough to move mountains, like the kids were talking about earlier. Um, the key is that we act according to our faith and not our feelings. Um, I'm in a job at the moment that I was asked to step into, and it seemed a bit too hard for me. You know, I was very comfortable being an accountant, with my, working in my strengths, and but I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do this role. And so I said yes, and... Initially, it was very hard. There have been lots, lots of prayers, and, um, but I kept going, and I have learned so much. And do you know what? I still don't know why I need these skills or what the purpose of this role is, but I keep trusting God, and, and he's carried me through some, yeah, some hard moments with it. So very grateful for that. And this leads me on to my next lesson, which is God has a bigger plan. You know, when he saw Hannah, he, he loved Hannah. You know, he could have just given her a baby from the start, she could have had a baby from the start. But he was thinking about more than just her desire for a child. God knew what he was doing, you know. He knew that the nation of Israel needed a leader. It needed someone to hear his voice. And if Hannah didn't have to pray for this child and see the miracle, I have my doubts that she may not have been able to let him go and give him over to, to God. So God had a better plan, and it was so much bigger than Hannah having children. He had a plan that would impact the whole nation. And I guess we have to remember too that sometimes we will have to partly or fully let go of something or someone we love. And in this life, we do have troubles, sickness. You know, we live in a world that's part of it. That's just what happens here. Life is very short. So a good check for me has always been my response to a stressful circumstance. And, you know, these happen. And as this week, some of us, there's quite a few in the room actually whose kids were at these schools. But at our schools in the local area this week, there was a lockdown. And initially, we had no idea what was going on. We just got a message saying, the schools are locked down. Don't collect your kids. Don't come near the school. And there were lots of rumors about guns. And no one really knew what was happening at the beginning. And as much as it was concerning, I think my first response wasn't to panic. It, it was to pray. It was like, God, I don't know what's going on. But you know what's happening here. And so, so please be with us, be with the kids, and um, yes, I guess I, I, like, yes, I was concerned for my kids, I was concerned for our community, but the overriding 
challenge for me in, in that is that I can't control everything. I don't know what's happening, but God does, and he sees and he cares. So I would go to him in prayer, knowing we can trust him. And I think this one's a bit easier since it only lasted a few hours, and then it was over. And some of you might know we've had a pretty challenging um, last couple of years with my mum. And this one's been much harder. I have to keep reminding myself, you know, we live for eternity, that we can continue to live with incredible peace and hope despite our circumstances or our pain. Um, We trust that God sees the big picture and we trust that he loves my mum even more than I do. So I can keep walking forward with peace in my heart. And just in this lesson as well, the final one is God will work it for good. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It may not have felt like that when Hannah was being provoked for having no children, you know. She was miserable. But the result of the story wasn't just a baby. It was the Samuel who impacted the nation. It was also a large family for Hannah. So God saw her heart. He saw what she was desiring. Her child Samuel was the last in the line of judges. It would be Samuel who would lead his people out of this era, this period of time. And out of turbulence, to, of this turbulence of the period of the judges and into the relative stability of King Saul and then King David. Thanks, Josiah. Good job, King David. So good. You never know what God will birth out of your pain. But we know that he loves you. We must trust it will be something good, whether for this life or for eternity. But he sees the big picture. So we stay close to him and we keep praying. So I'm going to hand over to Dan.